Conrad, what a surprise. Happy birthday, Nikki. See more butts. I'll never get tired of that one. That's why it's a classic. This is a nice restaurant. They gave me a free jacket. I'm sure they're gonna want it back. I remember being here a long time ago. Yeah, I took you here once. No, I used to buy crystal meth off the maitre d'. Oh, really? In college. Which college? Touche. Miss me? As much as that's possible. You look good. So do you. I think I was worried. Worried about me? How long has it been to, since Mom's funeral? Two, three years. I thought you quit. I did. Didn't take. Well, you can't smoke here. I'm with you. It's illegal to smoke in restaurants in California. <laughs> Fuck California. How are you? Couldn't be better. Elizabeth? We're divorced. She remarried a pediatrician or a gynecologist or a pediatric gynecologist who lives in uh, Sausalito. That's too bad. I liked her. And what about you? Well, you don't keep track of me anymore? Not since family week at rehab. So what brings you to town, Conrad? Everything all right? Yeah. Need anything? No. Really? No, I don't need anything from you. I just found myself laying naked on a beach near Ibiza, and all of a sudden it clicked. October 12th. Nikki's birthday. October 11th. Whatever. This is for you. You should what do you get for the man who has everything? Consumer Recreation Services. Well, I do have golf clubs. Call that number. Why? They make your life fun. Fun? You know what that is? You've seen other people have it. It's an entertainment service. An escort service? A profound life experience. Uh, no, it's all right. Just tell me your call. I said I would. No, you didn't. You still on medication? Why would you say that? The gentleman raid order? I didn't mean it the way it sounded. I'm not on anything. I'm not even seeing a shrink. And I feel great. Do you mind? I think you'll like this. I did. That was the best thing that ever happened to me. Cinema 9 Podcast with your host, Eric Brandstrom, Michael Govier, and Travis Roy. Coming to a speaker near you 
right now. Welcome in to the Cinema 9 Podcast. You are listening to the pod about film movies. We are buffs. We are aficionados. We love talking film and movies. It's a lot of fun. There's a great history of film that goes back many, many generations. And me, Eric, and Travis are proud to participate in it with you. Uh, Here they are, the standard co-hosts every week. It's the three of us. The roster rarely changes. Travis Roy, live from... The area uh, undisclosed in Michigan. How you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm from an underground bunker in Michigan right now. Um, I am doing well, man. I'm doing really good. I, I went from like zero where my life was like, hey, watch 30 movies a week. Who gives a fuck? You're on the couch all the time for months to um, I'm like 11, 12 hour days. And it's, it's quite the uh, quite the jam up, quite the shift. So that's that's been a fun adjustment. But I'm doing well. <laughs> hey, we're proud of you, man. You hang tough and uh, keep grinding out that rent money, Kanish. It's noble work you're doing. Thanks, buddy. Hey, from Griffith, Indiana, Eric Branstrom. How you doing, bud? What's cooking? I'm so happy to be here. Good evening, gentlemen. Well, it's a pleasure to have you aboard, as always. I mean, this show would not function without you. Do you hey, know that? Thank you, Michael. Tender. Tender oh, moments. Tender moments live on... Tender moments. Our podcast. Okay, so this is Cinema Nine Podcast. You can find us at Cinema Nine Podcast at ProtonMail.com, Cinema Nine Pod, Instagram, Twitter, DM us, send us a picture of yourself watching films that you love. Send us a picture of yourself just kind of sitting on a couch, pondering existence. We do it all. If you want to make yourself a nice high class sandwich with a plate of fries and a singular <laughs> cupcake, <laughs> uh, you know, you can do that too. I mean, whatever. Birthday burger. However you, however you like to participate in your free time. is uh, dinner yet, Mike? Or... Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, chomping at the bit here for a cupcake surprise. And... No, uh, we are going to cover, as we always do in the centerpiece of our show, The Game. 1997's yeah. The Game. David Fincher, Michael Douglas, Sean Penn, uh, the character actor guy that I love that's in Meet the Parents and the tons of other movies. Who James Redborn. That's Mr. right. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to miss James him. Redborn. Love that uh, scene where he's gonna... dancing in the game. I, that was the best part of the movie. <laughs> Spoiler alert. All right. So <laughs> we're going to get to the game. We're going to find out, does it hold up? It's been 23 years. David Fincher has had quite the career since this movie. And we'll do our quarantine viewing picks. Travis, although he's been busy, I'm sure he's got a movie he could probably squeeze out of it, even though he has <laughs> been grinding out those 10 to 12 hour days. But first, tragic news. Chadwick Boseman died at the age of 43 years old, colon cancer. I mean, this doesn't scare the shit out of you. I mean, I'm 40 years old now. We're all we're all 40. All three of us just turned yeah. 40 this year. So yeah. this is like a harsh reality check. It's more than just a tragic loss. It's really like, man, if colon cancer could take a guy like Chadwick Boseman, super successful, seems like a, I don't know, seems like a relatively healthy guy. Um, it's just a, it was a real shocker. Uh, Travis, when you heard the news, I'm sure you were stunned. Um what are your thoughts? I mean, what you know, it, it, it felt very surreal. You know, it's, it, it almost felt like when you get the news about someone that, you know, like the brain just kind of rejects it at first. You're like that. I mean, you mean the Chadwick Boseman that I know, like that Chadwick Boseman. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's just the loss to the whole world um, is acute, uh, but particularly, you know, to the black community, my heart goes out to, to, to them. It, it's just um, for him to have risen and been a figure to like, you know, he's played so many 
important figures and uh, and from history and the Black Panther and all that stuff, and for him to be taken in a in a, in a time that's been rough. Anyway, it just it just feels like such a fucking extra wallop. Um, it just seems really unfair. Mm. Yeah, I think you said it quite well there, Eric. Um, yeah, you big fan uh, of Chadwick's work, or uh, you know, uh, I, I don't I don't know if we ever talked much about. It. I know Travis was. Um, what do you think of this? Obviously, it's a terrible loss, but his historical legacy as an actor and what he did in a short amount of time is pretty impressive. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And the thing about me with this, yes, I had that reaction. It it made me think of when I heard that John Ritter died. That was a big one in 2003. It was just like my yeah. brain didn't want to believe it. Like it was just so odd because it's he seemed like just such a rich, vibrant, just like being ushered into cinema at a time when we really need him. And then all of a sudden he's just extinguished. But the only thing I really knew of this guy was T'Challa. Uh, and it, it was only after I investigated his work in preparation for this episode that it hit me like this was a huge loss because I got so much to say about the the actual talent of this man. His his performance just blew oh, blew me away. So like having that posthumous reaction to his work was was pretty difficult. Yeah, I completely agree, man. Um, it was just like it was a triple take. It's one of those triple take moments. I think everybody understands it and. He became like he was going to be. He already was and would have been like the defining black American actor of his generation. And that was something that is, a unfortunately, um, a rarer thing in Hollywood. You know, Denzel yeah. Washington was definitely someone that has been looked up to and has created an incredible legacy of film. And he will cool. always be a part of history, especially in Hollywood. Denzel, what? who paid for Chadwick Boseman's acting lessons, by the way, just for the oh no yeah. shit, see, uh, like that. anonymously, didn't know him personally, but uh, but but paid for it. Wow, okay, yeah. that's that's amazing. I did not know that. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, it's just a huge loss, and you can't, you really cannot discuss it without having the impact of what it means to lose an African American actor who was so good. So that that is a big deal. I don't think it's slip service by any means. This guy was an incredible talent. He played Jackie yeah. Robinson, James Brown. I mean, he was playing all of these. It seemed like for the moment there, he was like the guy for all the biopics or biopics <laughs> oh of God. the time in the 2010s, man. And not to mention playing the black Panther, which cemented his legacy as a superstar. And I'm sure he, even he got a little bit annoyed by the, uh, the Wakanda uh, forever callouts and yeah. having to do that all the time, but he still seemed to put on a smile and do things the best, the best uh, he could because he knew he was a lucky guy. And uh, shit, man, this this is a real damn shame, and there's no other way to describe it. Yeah, uh, I know he got a little bit annoyed by the Wakanda forever, but I was glad to hear that he wasn't, you know, kind of annoyed by always being offered biopics he personally didn't have uh an issue portraying him in fact he considered it a great honor and here we are you know um memorializing this titan especially knowing what he's gone through and just to see these people that he's played we're probably going to end up seeing someone play this gentleman one day and <laughs> i'm all for it Sorry, that, i don't know that's not fun i mean that's so bizarre that's it's weird some irony there, but hey, why not? I mean, look at the fucking struggle this guy had since 2016. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, his story is incredible. I don't know that I'm ready to watch a movie about it, but um, that I will be anytime soon. But his story is truly incredible. I mean, like he was he was definitely coming up. Uh, he had incredible talent 
and and was carving his way into you know the upper echelon but like was was nowhere it was was just getting started and then right about the time he's diagnosed with with colon cancer he's he's given the role for black panther yeah. uh, he he did he does uh the thurgood marshall movie he i mean he does like uh, some of the best work of his career the five bloods um and and he does it all with the, with People not having any clue what's going on with him, and the, most of them are very physical roles. I mean, like to be combating what he was uh, combating on a physical and emotional and mental level, and and to be able to pull off like the multi-leveled feats of that he's doing, it's just incredible. It's just incredibly. I mean, like he was what he was doing before was like wow, what great work. But to, to learn that about him, just um, all the more inspiring. Yep. Yeah. And it just didn't start like when he started getting these heavy roles. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's been just grinding it out since the early 2000s. And what I love about his story is that he's one of these very rare things. I mean, you got it with Sam Shepard, but these directors turned actors, you know, he got into acting because he wanted to learn how to, you know, work with actors and not just consider them these puppets to, to, to be able to say his line so he started out as a storyteller first and foremost and uh and that's you know almost 20 years of, of grinding it out in the game before he gets recognized for you know something uh in the early 2010s i think the ernie davis story the express yeah that was another one that's right um i mean looking back on this film career that was brief but very very full of depth i mean travis is a huge Marvel guy loves comic book movies, so uh, I'm sure that the Black Panther will always stand out to you as probably one of your favorite performances of his. But maybe I'm wrong. Is there something in particular that you really prefer your best performance for him or the one that means the most to you? I mean, yeah, it's probably still Black Panther. I mean, I watched that the other day and got pretty emotional. <laughs> um, I, I really loved him in Get On Up. Uh, but, you know, to be honest, I still need to see. um 42. I've never seen that. And I need to see uh, Marshall. I need to see both those movies. I, I watched Message from the King. Yeah. Um, which was interesting. It was kind of like the limey, like a classic, like revenge kind of story, but not nearly as well directed or beautiful. Yeah. But it's greatly elevated by his performance. I mean, it, it's just like, um, it's a, they, he, you're kind of forced to get to know what kind of man you're dealing with. And he doesn't, give a lot so you, like there's not a lot of exposition or dialogue from him so you have to like he's emoting a lot in the movie yeah. so as far as performances go it's really good as far as movies go it wasn't great but but i mean like what he did was really awesome yeah uh, hmm. uh he was fucking awesome in that movie message from the king and that's where i was just like the hair was on my heads and i just had to sit back and be like jesus christ what what an interminable loss i just felt so bad for not investigating this guy early on we've got this enormously thoughtful and internalized actor and what struck me the most especially about that soulful concentrated performance and that is there's zero vanity he's yeah. just invested in his character in a way that i couldn't even i was sitting there trying to compare him to someone and i just couldn't do it maybe some early morgan Freak, but he, he is just completely uninterested in seeming cool Mm -hmm. or, or or in any way just a you know someone on a post or it's just the character and it was inspiring as hell hmm. yeah travis i watched uh i hadn't seen get on up so i watched it saturday 
Yeah. And uh, we were texting about it. I had seen 42 once, but I watched it again. I did the double feature Saturday night. 42, get on up back to back. And, uh, you know, 42, I thought was going to be shitty, to be honest with you, because, <laughs> you know, usually when they do these biopics and it's PG-13 and you're talking about a situation like Jackie Robinson where you know there's hardcore racism involved, mm-hmm. I just prefer to see that. I don't like seeing... Jackie Robinson went through fucking hell. He went through an awful, awful stretch of mental anguish. And I want the viewer to feel that. I think it's the least. Yeah, yeah, it's the least you can do. It's not about trying to be real. I don't care about the realism factor. I care about just letting you experience just for a moment, which you still can't fully grasp because it's not aimed at you, what it was like for him. And they surprisingly did a pretty good job. I was was surprised. And Harrison Ford, this is a side note, uh, He this might have been his last great role. Like wow. he really, I know this sounds crazy. Uh, he plays <laughs> the real guy, Branch Rickey, who was a real person who signed Jackie Robinson. Um, he totally embodies Branch Rickey. Uh, if you look at video footage and you find out who Branch Rickey is, he really, he's got like an accent going on and it's really, really immersed. I do believe that Harrison Ford finally gave his last great performance in 2013 in that. And I just want to mention that. It's kind of weird because Harrison Ford has been mailing it in for a he's while. He's been voting it in since um, yeah, yeah. Uh, What Lies Beneath, which he's actually quite good in. <laughs> right. Yeah, but in this, this was this might be the last great Harrison Ford. I think he took it very seriously, and you can, you can tell. So I just want to make a note of that. But 42 is definitely worth your time. Uh, Get On Up was wild the way it was uh, uh, directed. It bounces all around. I kind of like the way it was told and the fact that it doesn't just do like a linear mm-hmm. story tale in a sense. Uh, Get On Up, also rated PG-13, and I told you guys that. I texted them, but I started watching the movie. I'm like, this is rated PG-13, a James Brown, Brown film. movie. PG-13. Yeah. Right. <laughs> got, pulls guns that's on people, kinda, beats women. Is yeah, a, that should have been like a... a Melvin Van Peebles like movie or something. The way that <laughs> but he but does a he does a great job with it though. He did. Yeah. He really he wasn't like, hey, I'm Chadwick Boseman playing James Brown. He really yeah. was like James Brown, man. It was yeah. really surprising. I thought it was a hard role to pull off because James Brown is a oh, unique yeah. character. Very specific, very specific behavior and mannerisms. Mm-hmm. It would have been very easy to fall into a caricature or like an imitation of him, which is a lot of what a lot of people do when they're doing biopics. And they're yeah. really just good imitations, but or impersonations, I should say. But what he does there, like he invests himself in that character, like which, I, which I, you get the sense he does that that he did that. I hate to say did uh, in in every film that that he touched that that. that that he did and uh, and i look forward to investigating you know the, the work of his that i have not seen um i'm really grateful for the legacy that he's left the world you know the the second highest liked tweet ever is something around 4.4 million tweets and that was barack obama the next the highest number one is chadwick boseman's announcement that he was in fact dead and that's at 7.6 or something million right now um which I think is a testament to, I mean, like, you know, it takes a moment just to click like, but I think it's a testament to just how much people around the whole world um, felt this loss, you know? Yeah. 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 Uh, I think he came around, I mean, you know, God bless him. And for what it's worth, I think he came around like in a great time for black actors because we're just now, thanks to the films that he's in, thanks to movies like Get Out, we're able to, make these movies and get a green light uh like irrespective of the color of your lead actor um and it doesn't have to be a biopic you can take something like you know 21 bridges and and just cast whoever you want to and it doesn't have to be because there's this bankable will smith or denzel washington 
you can just get this enormous amount of talent and just throw it in there. Let's not forget. I mean, you cannot highlight it enough. This guy is 43 years old. So a lot of people are kind of on the way out like, you know, boxers when he went by the time you're 43 and this guy was just fucking getting started. Yeah. I could believe he was 43. I just thought he was younger. <laughs> I guess I hadn't done enough uh, investigation into his life, but I do know that, uh, You'll be missed. It goes without saying. He's got a nice collection of films that we can always appreciate. Uh, if you want to get real deep with it, he made his first debuts on some kind of shitty TV shows, really. But uh, he made his debuts on uh, Third Watch. Uh, he was on an episode of ER, even. So. And he's got one more movie. And... Sorry, he's got oh, one yeah. more movie in the works coming down the pike. Uh, Ma Rainey's uh, Black biopic. Bottom. Black Bottom, yeah. Uh, biopic, yeah. Which, which I'm really excited they're doing her story. I'm really excited that he's going to be part of it, or he, you know, he was part of it. Um, but yeah, there's, there's still stuff coming down the pike. And as Mike said, there's, there's still stuff we can, we can draw from, which all the same, you know, we're all going to feel robbed for the rest of our lives when it comes, you know, in the, in the way, you know, with, when it comes to like Heath Ledger or Philip Seymour Hoffman, um, people that were stolen from the world too soon by their own hand, which makes this all the harder, I think in a lot of ways, because, um, it's just all the more just like a, like the grim reaper just reached out and plucked him. Yes, you just hit on a point. I have this, it's not really a theory so much as it's like this um, this ever-present thought that the world is just a little bit worse when things happen that I don't, they don't affect your life directly necessarily. But like when Michael J. Fox loves Parkinson's, we all lose out a little bit of something because he's struggling with the disease and he can't truly be the guy that he was you know, and when we lose Chadwick Boseman, we all lose a little piece. It's like this. It's a small collectiveness. I just hate when we have to miss out on good times that are provided to people who need them because yeah. we lose people. They die or something terrible happens. You know, like the one that really always stood up to me was this is not about movies, but uh, when the Red Wings won the Stanley Cup in 1997 and that limo accident happened and like it was such a high. They waited like four years to win a Stanley Cup and then that next night a limo accident paralyzes a Vladimir Konstantinov who was a defenseman and it puts such a damper on a mood I just I hate when shit like that happens and this is just another example of why 2020 sucks and why shit sucks <laughs> people die young and they don't have to it just fucking cancer man it sucks it's what else can I say rest <sighs> in peace and power man that's all I can say yes uh... You you can't say that the guy didn't give a, a, a shitload, even in, you know, since like maybe when Get On Up came up that six years ago, he gave so much. I have to deliver one of his quotes that just, it got me. He says, now say what you will, all right, take yourself out of the equation, but he says, when I stand before God at the end of my life, I would hope that I would not have a single bit of talent left, and I could say I used everything you gave me, so... He gave us a shitload in each performance. There's moments in there that would just make your skin crawl. It's just gorgeous work. Yeah, I, I suspect he'll get a posthumous Oscar for Defy Bloods. I want. I have to see Defy Bloods. That's something that's uh, tops on my list. So. Okay, Chadwick Boseman. R.I.P. Man, shit. Um, if you guys have any thoughts on Chadwick Boseman, send them in to Cinema Nine Pod, ProtonMail.com, and DM us on Cinema Nine Pod. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. If there's other uh, areas of his life that we're not as familiar with and deserve to be having a spotlight shine for them, we would love to do that and happy to do that here. Um, before we get to the game, our centerpiece, I do want to ask you guys quickly about this is a movie podcast. So I'm curious what you guys think about this. So Tenet, 
What the fuck is going on with Tenet? How can I watch Tenet? Can I see Tenet at Christopher Nolan's new film? Like, because in Michigan, we don't have open theaters. So we have open drive-in theaters and it's going to be playing there and we should go together soon. Is that the only way? That's basically the only way we can see it right now. Am Unless I, we want to guys... go to Ohio, I think. But yeah, <laughs> well, I prefer not to usually. But I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't even know if they're open in Ohio or Indiana. But I mean, I don't want to yeah. go into a theater anyways. I w- I'd rather see, you know, go to a drive-in anyway. I would be. Yeah, I'd be down for that. We can talk about that off air. OK, oh. uh, Eric. What, oh, I'm sorry, Eric. Yeah. You want to drive? Well, we could meet up. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we'll go to Kalamazoo and I'll drive us out there and we can meet remember the... when we saw the Dark Knight Rises at the uh, Henry Ford Museum IMAX theater. Yes. It was, yes. It was a fucking experience. It's Nolan. It's got to be the theater. So if I yeah. don't catch it in, in that, I'm just I'm fucked. Well, that's why even the drive in those like, I mean, it's yeah. cool, but it's not as cool. Not, right. When we're going to hit that. They have made improvements, at least. Like it used to be that stupid speaker you stick yeah. in like the window. Now they have <laughs> that FM station that you can tune to, so you can really crank your FM radio, and it right. sounds pretty cool. I right. went to the drive-in last fall, and I was like, "Oh, this is like good sound." So that's one good thing, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, but I I went to Ocean's thirteen, like two thousand seven, and like yeah. that stupid thing like killed my battery. So I was like, "Oh, that movie sucked." Then I couldn't even <laughs> go home right away. My battery was dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Well, I, I think of that. Well, the same thing with uh, Bill and Ted. I don't have the same issue. By the way, All Bill right. and Ted is getting some interesting reviews from critics and audience members. Uh, but you can watch Bill and Ted at home, I believe. Yeah, I that seems like you know. I don't think you could watch Tenet at home, and I want to make sure I understand this because this is weird. This is such a bizarre time, guys. I know COVID already makes it crazy, but the fact that there's a huge tentpole Nolan film out and it's there but it's not there it's like hard to grasp it's so weird it's yeah, unprecedented so, it's fucked up i mean just today bob pattinson gets covid they shut down the batman it might not even come out in october next year we're fucked yeah, oh really yeah. Big yeah. News. yeah and we didn't even discuss that i mean we, last week that trailer came out and I didn't, I didn't real quick, you didn't watch it i don't do spoilers man i'm gonna spend the next year and a half or more trying to duck previews of this thing like i do every fucking marvel movie wow. closing my eyes and sticking my fingers in my ears like a fucking child when i'm at the movie theater that's what <laughs> i do i hate I'm spoilers i love context i don't want to see anything, anything i am with you i am completely with i mean eric is the opposite of us he goes online oh and he digs around Can't for like <laughs> the most details possible he can get from the script yeah i mean eric you know who you are we know who you are so I don't think I was rather know now and then look forward to it knowing instead of just having two hours of like a good time. I want like a year and a half of knowing, <laughs> being excited. I'm, the, yeah. I'm excited. I'm very uh, pumped. Don't get yeah, me yeah. wrong. I'm uh, I am I love Robert Pattinson. I I, I think Travis fucking is, awesome, Travis. You gotta see it. I'm you know, I'm gonna it's gonna be I'm gonna be forced to see it just by living. I'm gonna I mean, like yeah. I've already seen snippets. I'm always like, you know, forced to see this shit, but I do my best and I and uh you know, to each their own, I guess. I am right. I've always, in fact, I'm actually impressed that you said that Travis, because I was always the guy who said, I want to go in fresh. You know, I like yeah. to know nothing at all. I didn't watch the trailer before the dark night, the original dark night back in 08. I didn't watch I didn't anything. Either. I wanted, I wanted to know nothing. Right. Uh, but I guess the only thing I've softened on slightly is I guess I, occasionally I do watch a trailer, but that's it. I don't do any investigating. I don't want to know anything else. I'd like to just go in for a fresh experience because you can never have that again. You only I get it not, once. Yeah. I love not even knowing who's in the movie sometimes. I mean, you know, the main lead, <laughs> the main lead or something, and all of a sudden John Goodman strolls in. You're like, fuck, all right, all right. Listen, trailers <laughs> are basically nowadays just like the movie except the ending. It's like find oh, out what happens at the very end next summer. Oh, 
What happened to the Weekends in Bernie's right. type trailers back in the day? Where it's just like, hey, we're fucking around. They don't tell you everything that's going on in the movie back then. I don't know. I, I'm with in Bernie's too when they're like, he he's still uh-oh. dead and they're fucking around with a corpse two years later. No, it's supposed to be like a couple of days later. Going on in that movie. Um, with the voodoo stuff, but we'll leave that in the past, and hopefully we can make movies that are less racist going forward. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. All right, so just want to cover a couple of those things. You know, here we don't always cover all the current content in the movie world, but there's a lot of interesting things going on right now with COVID and big time movies that I want to see, and I just don't know how to do it yet. So, if you guys have any comments on the current situation in the movie world, let us know. Send them an iPod, protonmail.com. Yeah, now, take a picture of yourself giving a comment. Yeah, take a picture of yourself thinking about how you're going to email us. We would love to see the inner workings. But let's cut the shit. Let's get into it now. It's time for Does It Hold Up? 1997's The Game. David Fincher, Michael Douglas, Sean Penn. What are you saying? Oh, so fucked. They just fuck you and they fuck you and they fuck you. And just when you think it's all over, that's when the real fucking start. I right, calm down. Just take a breath. They won't stop, Nick. I, I paid the bill. I gave them their fucking money. They won't leave me alone. What are they doing to you? Everything. I'm a goddamn human pinata. Calm down. And why do they keep playing if you already paid? I don't know. I don't know. I paid them more to make it stop. They did this. It's a flat tire. How do you know? Get a grip on yourself. We will figure it out. Okay. Okay. The phone doesn't work. I can't get a signal. Really? You know how to change a tire? No, don't you? It can't be that hard. I don't think we should be out in the open like this. Hit the teletrack. It's in the glove compartment. Somebody put him in the car. You're behind the whole thing, aren't you? What are you talking about? You brought them to me. Oh, these were in your car. They're right there in your fucking car, Conrad. Listen to what you're saying. No, you're not going to control this conversation. Why would I ever do what you're describing? Because you resent me. Stop being emotional. It kills you that I'm living my life. Lower your voice, Conrad. What, you're afraid somebody's going to witness a scene? Get back in your, get back in your fucking house. Will you stop it? Call the cops. You're just so afraid somebody's going to see what a manipulative fucking control freak what you are. What is wrong with you? What are you on? Oh, I'm sorry, Nick. I'm sorry I didn't live up to expectations. Ah, bullshit. I'm not you. I'll never be you. I don't want to be you. There you go again. I'm your brother. Always pushing the responsibility out on me. For Christ's sake, I'm your brother. All I ever tried to do was help you. I don't want your help. Nobody asked you to play dad. No, you don't say that. Did I have a choice? Did I have a choice? This was uh, Eric's choice. Eric chose this movie. And 
I think uh, we should give you the floor first, Eric. Eris, why don't you uh, open the doors for us? Tell us why you chose this movie, and uh, does it have a, a deep connection to you back in the day, or do you just wanted to revisit it? Let's put it this way. When I worked at Blockbuster Video, along with the legendary Travis Roy in 1998, we literally, me and my good friend Steve Guile, Chad Gibbons, we would have this game, no pun intended, where anytime a customer would come into the store, we would try to get them to buy the boxed cop VHS copy of the game. We would just sell <laughs> them on it. They'd be like, I, I, I'm, I'm not a big Michael Douglas fan. They'd be like, no, hear me out. And then a lot of times they would walk out with the game. That's how much we love this movie. Don't ask me, you know, what I was thinking when I was 17, but I picked it because we're 20 episodes into this podcast. We haven't really had an in-depth conversation about David Fincher. And this is such an important film for him because he's coming off of seven. He's Hollywood's, you know, golden boy. And what does he do? He picks this uh, like somber like story about this middle-aged guy starring Michael Douglas. It's his, mm -hmm. it's before his like neo-punk irony phase. And it's just it's such an amazing film for 1997. So I was so excited to reinvestigate it. Yeah, it was webs right between Seven and Fight Club. These yeah, two yeah. very famous <laughs> gritty movies that um, are remembered very differently than the game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's true because the game doesn't get nearly the run that either of those films God, do. No. And, God, uh, no. No. If you're Although wondering. I think I did have a, a poster of it on my my college, like, you know, my I film school, that. you know, whatever. I, was, I, I said it last week. Like, well, you guys, this game, the game was always on your guys' mind. You guys were always talking about the game. And I never, it's just a miracle that I never sat down and watched it back then. I don't know how the hell that ever happened. But wait, did you did. just see it for the first time recently? Yes. Yeah. That's what I said last week. I'd never seen oh, it. Oh, so. I forgot. This was a whole new experience for me. Um, I, I I knew a lot about it, though, so it wasn't necessarily certainly didn't go on fresh like we were talking about a few minutes ago. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's a lot to already know because it's been yeah. 23 years and we, there's been a lot of discussions about it with friends. But the game on IMDb, once again, uh, Eric, did you guys look it up? You got anybody know? <laughs> anybody care to venture a guess? 5.9. Oh, 5.9. I was going to say 7.7. Seven. Ooh, that is the closest guess I think we've ever had. 7.8. Very oh, good. Oh, wow. Very wow. good, Eric. 7.8, wow. uh, over 300,000 entries. A lot of, lot of respect for the game. And that could be a post-facto type thing with the David Fincher name just immediately adding. I'm not saying it doesn't deserve it, but you never know. David Fincher's name now means a shitload, as we all know. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, we got a 74 and an 84. Critics, 74. Audience, 84. The audience likes it. 10% more. So that means a delicious popcorn for you and uh, a nice fresh tomato from the critics overall. Not a bad, not a bad entry. Uh, as far as critical reviews, we go back in time and we're looking, <laughs> I'm trying to look for our favorite critics, of course. Where's, where's uh, what's his name? Dustin. <laughs> well, here's the old, you know, we always go Roger Ebert, you know, rest in power, Roger. Uh, Roger said, Douglas is the right actor for the role. He could play smart, he could play cold, and he could play angry. He is also subtle enough that he never arrives at an emotional plateau before <laughs> the film does and never overplays the process of his inner change. Okay. That's a, that's a good review. I mean, I think that's really, I think that's really astute. <laughs> Go, Eric, is. you don't look like you agree, but I, I thought that was, I think that was really astute. I don't think that anybody, I, I, I'd have a hard time seeing anybody else from 1997 playing this role. Yeah, I think he uh, 
for a short little blurb there. He really did encompass quite a bit of depth on that. Uh, yeah, I think, the- I think there's no, um, I think it's very intentional that Fincher took Gordon Gecko and put him in these circumstances to kind of pull the yeah. rug on his feet. Ah, interesting. Okay, yeah. we'll talk more about that momentarily. Uh, here's a negative one from Stephen Hunter of the Washington Post. This is back in uh, 20 plus years ago. It's like the most hideously overproduced episode of the Twilight Zone on record. <laughs> complete, complete with the last twist. Complete with the last twist that pretty much reduces what came before to soap bubbles. <laughs> wow. Soap bubbles, Stephen. Soap bubbles. That's a little. That's a little harsh. And uh, one more. I can't seem to find Destin Thompson. I guess he's not commenting on some of these older films. I don't know why. I guess he's busy. Uh, Mike Clark of USA Today says a crowd pleasing pip. Most of the way, a pip. It's a, it's a pip. pip, guys. Yeah, it's a real pip. <laughs> One more negative from Tom Meek of the Boston Phoenix. Everybody loves the Boston Phoenix. Uh, the rocky blur between reality and fantasy aspires to be a Hitchcockian after hours reference film. Ooh, like two hours plus, the game gets played out early on. Okay. So there you go. There's some interesting takes from Once Upon a Time. Uh, you mentioned this Gordon Gecko thing. I think that's really interesting. Could we expound on that a little bit? Because knowing who a character or who a, who an actor played Once Upon a Time, and especially a famous character like Gordon Gecko that had a huge impact on pop culture, that is hard to ignore when you see Michael Douglas playing this role. So how does that factor into this movie and maybe distort it in any way? Travis, you want to take a shot at it? Because I got a lot to say. But I, well, I figured honest. you did. Why, go, you go for it. You brought him up. I love Michael Douglas in this movie. And he, for me, he doesn't act like he's like a pop. That's why he's such a fucking great actor. Because this, he's this titan of his, of his industry uh, in the corner office at the top of the penthouse. But he doesn't remind me of Gordon Gecko in the slightest. In fact, this character, Nicholas Van Orton, Gets a lot of flack for like being like this um, carmudgeon or this guy who is kind of a dick of a person. But for me personally, at least on this latest viewing, I kind of felt sorry for him right off the bat when he's driving and he can see the pain in his face about remembering his father living in the shadow of his father. I'm sure he's kind of a bit cantankerous for for a reason. And he brushes off people because he's dealing with things emotionally. But I personally kind of felt bad for him from the start, and I didn't get this whole Scrooge thing from him or this power-hungry CEO type, personally. I agree that he, I that he's a sympathetic character. Um, again, like it still kind of feels like Patrick Fujit crying after a foursome with three ladies <laughs> when when there's like some you know when when at the start I'm being asked to like. Uh, feel ba- oh, th- feel bad for this guy in his mansion and his uh, perfect burger and cupcake. Uh, I mean, like you know, I I I don't have a ton of sympathy for the, for the character, but that's but becoming also- the Paul Schrader of this show, by the way. <laughs> but but <laughs> we haven't brought up Paul in a while either. Now that you mention it, but um, I I just like, but I I don't like. I also feel like I'm not. I don't. I don't feel that sorry for him because I feel like he kind of likes his life too. Like. He seems he seems like I don't feel like I feel bad for him about his father and stuff. But like, yeah, he seems kind of content with his isolation and I can dig it. Uh, yeah. Um, if I may, you may, I think they are trying to do like a 
like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I was getting like a Christmas Carol thing from a lot of things from it. And are we supposed to think that he's like this, like Scrooge, this mean guy who needs this big change? Because I kind of didn't really see, I, I was struggling to figure out what the game was going to do to him and how it was going to change him other than maybe lighten him up and have him have a little bit of fun. I guess, so are we getting into it? Because I mean, that's, that to me is like, what is the game aiming to do? Is it, is it trying to knock him down a peg to humble him? And also, what is the actual effects going to be on this man? He can't even be around a bottle of water if a waitress opens it for him. He is a tr traumatized individual by the end of this movie who would probably have some serious, serious trust issues. Yeah. Yes. I mean, if, that's what, if you guys are planning on giving me a CRS card for my birthday – no, thank you. All good on PTSD. Jeez. Could you yeah. thank? Could you thank us if we did and offer to pay half? <laughs> this place no. would be out of business in a heartbeat. All the lawsuits for the post-traumatic stress and like, yeah, it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> but get into it. Let's not make this too real. But yeah, that is a funny point that you bring up, Travis. I, I do wonder what is the point of this at times. I'm, I it's very tense and it's fascinating and I'm kind of like, oh, what's gonna happen next? Because I'd never seen it before, like I said, but. I was kind of like, why are we doing this? Uh, what is the because because of the plot? That's why because it because it's good for the plot. Oh that's, right, yeah, right. That's pretty that's much easy. why everything happens in the movie. <laughs> that is why things generally do happen in films. Plot driven, of course, but well, this movie especially. Mike, did you say you had never seen it? So I'm interested to to hear some initial thoughts from you. We kind of glossed over you a little bit, but did you not see any of it or just bits and pieces? So I'd seen a few different? scenes, but I'd never sat down and watched the whole film from beginning to end. So I did know like about the ending already. So that was like old news. Like I know how things wrapped up. So it kind of took a little bit of the flavor out of it, knowing what, how it all plays out. But I never sat through and watched the scenes and kind of broke it down and tried to immerse myself in the story, which I did. I tried. And he <laughs> it just seems like it's almost like a weird, bizarro curb your enthusiasm. that just kind of keeps going on and on. And <laughs> but except it's not as funny. Um, the I don't the movie could have used some more funny. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what was the movie we just did recently where there was Gattaca, like, oh, yeah, the Gattaca soundtrack. The theme, no jokes in that theme no at jokes. all. Well, both, dead the, yeah. serious. both those movies have are been pretty serious. I mean, like there, like there is, there is a couple moments, like um, the delivery of uh, Michael Douglas when he's, by the way, like so he, the the whole like um, when he's doing the CRS um, test thing in the beginning, where he's like, it'll be a couple hours, and he just like really falls prey to the time investment fallacy and spends his entire day there because apparently someone with a clipboard or in a uniform that tells him to do something, he just does it. Um, <laughs> he broke a pencil. He was working so hard. <laughs> oh yeah, which is a detail that I like. Fincher always does, I by the way. That. Little details like that. I think that's yeah. cool. I, I mean, but yeah, but that—that's what I was gonna say. I mean, he—he's got humor me with specifics. You know, like he's—he's he's got that great line. You got James Rebhorn dancing. You have him trying to get into the briefcase and having that freak out. Which I don't—I don't know if that was supposed to be funny, but I laughed pretty hard at him freaking out on that on the briefcase. Um, but other than that, pretty serious movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pretty grim. I mean, this is this David Fincher is known for his dark oh, storytelling. Well, and this isn't the darkest one by any means, but go yeah. ahead, Eric. But, I mean, you're right. I mean, and, and the thing about this is that, like, Fincher wasn't even a sure thing exactly because Alien 3 was, like, really cool to look at, really awesome, but, like, 
everybody eviscerated that and it was structurally god awful he was miserable making it and then he makes seven and then people see him as this new vice voice in like edgy cinema but he brings us which is what is kind of like a a warm picture overall especially with its ending um and it's before you know fight club and he gets all mean spirited like his later yeah. stuff, like gone girl and uh girl to dragon tattoo it's just so mean spirited and cold and frigid whereas this actually has a little bit of warmth and, and tenderness which is one of the things i still love about it here in 2020. something that kind of stood out to me in comparison to seven though is that the opening sequence of seven very famous opening sequence wasn't done yeah. by him it was done by this outside yeah. company i forget and, and i thought like the opening of the game was interesting it was about 0.5 seconds oh, long and I, and I think that was very deliberate. <laughs> yeah, I love I fucking love that opening. I for forever I thought <laughs> and I would use this as like the thing. I'm like, if you're ever gonna like have a guy play their dad, have like the main actor play him, but do something different with like, oh, the, the, the big I always, I always thought that was Michael Douglas. It turns out, did you guys do the research? It's not him. It's not him. It's this oh. guy, Charles Martinet, who get this has been voicing Mario, uh, Luigi, and <laughs> Wario since oh, the early shit. 90s. I thought that was Michael Douglas was, with a rubber nose. That's what I thought. Wow. I was like, it's so cool. They just make him look a little different, but it's still like the same guy. Not him. Man, well, my respect for Michael Douglas just dropped down a notch because I thought that was one of the best performance parts of the movie. Like, wow, look how he carries himself so differently. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about that is, like, you you learn so much without a single line of dialogue. Like that first ten minutes is sets up everything without having a spoon feed it to you, without even yeah. a single line of dialogue. You know yeah. everything. I think one of the strongest things about this movie is its depiction of memory, yeah. how it uses the um because you, you 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 start off you're getting actual family footage, but later on like where you, like where it's like tracking alongside the car and you see his father getting ready to jump and stuff like mm. no one's filming that but like it, the way that your mind works in the 20th century is that it kind of does put this kind of celluloid uh veneer over things which i thought that was really well done yeah yeah and it's all it's all um accompanied by and i didn't i didn't know howard's score who uh, or howard shore did the score who's usually a more like consumery bombastic type of composer just did this quiet clink, clink. yeah just clink 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 <laughs> like, well throughout the entire movie regardless of what is happening you've got like this empty hotel cocktail lounge score going on it sounds like a kitten walking across one half of the piano <laughs> it's very uh i'm not really crazy about this score oh, I, I, I love it i think it underplays everything and keeps it from being this popcorn trash to something that has more thematic issues it's not overboard i'll give it that isn't uh isn't this movie kind of cruel though Oh God! To him, God. yeah. I to mean, Nicholas Van Orton, you mean? Does anybody deserve this? <laughs> like, honestly, like again, like that's the main takeaway for me. Like, why? Like, I mean, like, does Donald Trump deserve this? I don't. I don't know what this would do to a person, and I don't know. Yes, thank you. I don't know why you would think that it would be a good thing to do to this person. I don't know yes. what the bill would look like for something like this i don't know what the insurance waivers would look like i can't Im imagine the scope that this that they that they do for this 
I mean, there was like I was Mike, I was kind of chastising you last, I think it was last episode or two, where I was kind of like, Well, you suspend your disbelief. But like a point came in this movie where I no longer could suspend my disbelief. Oh. I just I, the point comes somewhere around the time where like it flips to like he's being chased by gunmen around Derek Cara, uh, Deborah Kara Unger's apartment. Oh, I start I started to be like, this is ridiculous. This is <laughs> impossible. Uh, it continues farcical. to get impossible. Yeah, yeah, farcical. I, I mean, you t- you can't get dropped off in a foreign country with no money or nothing, and just <laughs> make it. You can't just come back. I don't care how how expensive the watches that you sell. You don't just. I mean, like they need to show him, like you know, get brought across by a coyote or something. Like, I mean, there's so much, and I'm just gonna get into it earlier. Well, it's not that early. We're 40 minutes in. When he fucking jumps off the damn thing at the end oh like what God. how are they going to know that he's going to fire the gun number one how are they going to know that he's going to jump from that spot because they've only got the one uh place for him to fall and when he falls through the thing yeah he falls like, through glass s- man he falls through glass you, he's falling past metal strict like structures that had he been a foot or two either way would have just taken off his face and like and there's stuff <laughs> like this i mean that's like that's, that's okay like you could like if there's like a little bit of this happening but it's like the whole fucking movie. It just gets more and more preposterous as it goes on. But <laughs> yes, so I mean, funny, out, of, out of all those things, still the dumbest thing, which made me actually laugh out and be like, this is like Adam McKay type ridiculousness was the invisible ink on the waiver. That's that's not a thing. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but still, I mean, even then, when they crash through the thing at the bottom, it the people there are celebrating him committing to suicide. Why, yes. why is this a fucking party? Right. Congratulations. You drove a man to suicide <laughs> and like, ah. you, and you get up like, and, and you look around and it's everybody, you know, and, 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 <laughs> and not only did, did they drive him to suicide, they drove him to be the kind of person that storms into a business with a gun in his hand, like a, like a crazy person ready to, ready to murder. And like, I mean, they broke this man and like, and, and you get up from that and here's everybody, you know, in a suit and you're, you look like shit and you're sobbing all over yourself. And now you're expected to dance, <laughs> to dance. You're supposed to dance now. How, how, how does this help him? Okay. The, the game itself, it's, it's like it beats him. If I were to like to get the screenplay and someone's like, Hey, you want to help me write this? I personally would be like, okay. Let's make this be like the last game where like we figure out what like the Truman Show, like we figure out why the game is wrong and like yeah. why we should no longer be doing this. And yeah. somebody beats it. He's supposed to jump off the ledge, but he says, I'm my own person. I'm not controlled by my father or these actors, which he finds out unbeknownst to them that they're actors instead of them getting the fucking jump on him because it's a fucking movie. Unless and it's beating the game and saying, I'm yeah. done. I'm not playing anymore. <laughs> that that would have been better. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, is this movie too long too? Is there too many like uh scenarios to go through? This movie could have been cut by yeah. 20, 20 minutes. 20, 20 minutes easy. Easy. Yeah. Why is there this clown? Why is there this <laughs> clown in here? Why you know <laughs> although I did dig the like in terms of uh like like um being kind of sci-fi looking towards the future the the deep fakes of daniel shore um ah. that's basically where we're at now i thought i thought that was kind of interesting on this rewatch but um 
but yeah, there was just so <sighs> much, every little thing that happens in this movie. And then, and, and, and I thought of you, Mike, because like the whole dream thing, like, oh, is it a dream? That, that's always <laughs> like, that always excuses things. But with this, oh, yeah. it's like, oh, you can excuse any plot hole with it's the game, but like you can't because like it starts to just, again, it just like snowballs into just being so unbelievable. And I think that my favorite, most absurd moment is when he's, is when he stumbles into the cafeteria and it's like, this, it's like this, this, like, it's like a scene from the Simpsons where like everybody in town is there. And like, <laughs> yes. And I'm you laughing. I'm like, I don't think I'm supposed to be laughing right now. Right. Right. Like, I mean, I can't even like, I can't even wrap my head around this. Watching this movie, never seeing it before in 2020. What Again, I know I bring this up a lot in our movies, but what we know about mental health now more than we did 23 years ago. I mean, this just looks awful. There's so many. It's abusive. I don't think. I don't it's think any person deserves this. I know I don't believe in retribution, you know, eye for an eye stuff. That's not how I think personally. So, I mean, people deserve to be punished if they hurt people. They deserve to be acknowledged. Hey, you deserve to stand tall for what you've done to others. But I just don't think this guy deserved all of this. And I started to lose interest because I'm like, there's too many side quests. This is like a video game where we're going to too many different little places that don't need to necessarily take place. Uh uh, and there were cool shots, though. There's a lot of like really cool that's shots and uh, direction thing. in terms of technical parts of this film. It's outstanding. I want to say acting, you know, great you acting. Had, from you had the same script. I'm sorry. If you had this exact same script and it was directed by like Joe Blow, who never made a movie ever again, I wouldn't give a fuck. It's interesting and fun to watch because David Fincher is such a fucking master and it's beautifully shot and, and, and all that. But this script, when you sit down with a pen and paper, is ridiculous. It's Nicholas Van motivation is literally to just reclaim his cushy lifestyle. Period. But then they, but then it even falls apart to where I, I'm trying to see behind the curtain. I want to meet the wizard. Like, like they're just like this expert, like this exposition to like try and explain why he's doing what he's doing now. And somehow they were oh. supposed to be able to predict that because he told them if whether or not he felt guilty when he beat off. Like, I don't know, man. There's there, there's a lot about this movie that I mean, it's just were it not for the performance of Michael Douglas and the direction. Yep. This script is a fucking mess, dude. Yep. <laughs> this script is a mess. They throw yeah, in stuff agree. that could be interesting. A dying man placed in front of him. What are you going to do, Nicholas? Oh, you're not going to help him like Phil Connors in Groundhog Day learns from, grows from, by saving a fucking man's life. You're yeah. just going to have him back away and be like, I don't want to get involved, okay? Right. You bring in this Christine character who, in my opinion, is such a... a such a horrible, dull, boring character and <laughs> does nothing for him, okay? We don't even get the satisfaction of them maybe getting together and us having to question, oh, is she or isn't she? There's just nothing. It's just this bo bullshit charade for over an hour. And then they sort of end up at the end and it's like, how could you ever possibly it, trust this person? It's like when somebody comes out of a, a, forgive me, but like a strip club and says, oh, she really liked me. Like, <laughs> A fucking break. Uh, what? What about? They drive him off a fucking road into the river. A guy rolls out of a cab, and they say, "Hey, good luck with that." Yeah, yeah. Or even just them jumping off the the building into the into the dumpster. It's like they could have knocked their teeth out at the very least, or broken an elbow or something. Yes. Um, I mean, a... it's, a really, 
it's a really cool yeah. shot, like in the car with the water coming in when he rolls the window. I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. one of my favorite little shots there, tactical. I was like, cool. wow, that's really cool, and it looks like it's really happening. And but I'm like, like why? This is so unnecessary. But then he's like, it's just a game. It's just a game. Everything's fine. It's kind it's of not, weird how he. It's his fucking life. It's not a fucking yeah, game. That's what I'm saying, though. It's not. Fucking hell. And also, he. how fun is it if you no longer know that you're playing a game? Because, like, by the time he's, like, holding people hostage and stuff, he thinks he's broken free of the game, but he's actually doing exactly what they counted on him doing. Yeah. He's changed immeasurably. You took a guy who's lonely, maybe didn't have the best marriage, maybe doesn't have the best relationship or knows that his brother is a, a struggling drug addict, and you turned him into a fucking psycho who's willing to a kill people and b jump off a fucking building right. <laughs> so like so the motivation behind i mean a, a lot of this it just doesn't hold up and yeah and and honestly like it, it feels like a well like a sophomoric effort because i mean with a huge budget and a fantastic actor uh in in your lead like um but in a lot of ways like there's there's like some a lot of like finding my footing still happening in this movie in a way that i haven't seen seven in a while but i'd be curious to go back and rewatch it after watching this because i feel like seven is a little more like there's some there's a real confidence to this movie but like there shouldn't be <laughs> like 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 there's sh like you know what i mean like there, i mean like i, I kind of like i feel like maybe I, I wonder how he feels about this movie. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder, like, hmm. if, if, like, if, like, if this was a script that, like, he really wanted to do. I mean, he was coming off hot of the off seven, or if he was still paying his dues, and he was like, "Well, I'll, I'll take what you well, gave me." You know, he apparently ahead. wanted to do this first, but Brad Pitt became available, so they did uh, seven first. But he wanted huh. to do the game first. See, uh, that to me surprises me because I think that, like, I would think that based on what I know of him now, the kind of meticulous filmmaker that I think that he is, yeah. I would think that he would walk for walk away from such a garbled script. Oh, interesting. Maybe uh, <clears throat> it was still a period of, I mean, who knows what the script looked like? <laughs> maybe it got better. I mean, maybe it was even worse before. I don't know. Man. It, it's We can never know that for sure. But I do know that uh, he did want to make this movie first. So he definitely seems like it was a, a passion project arguably for him. I can't prove that in court of law. But. He knows he's, he's said on several occasions, if you watch the DVD commentary, that the third act has a fucking shitload of problems. In my opinion, the middle act is the worst. I actually, for all of its fault, the third act is kind of really fun to watch just to see how it play together, even if it's a, a farce. But yeah, there's just so many problems. You've got this woman, this, this female character, and Fincher has a tendency to do this, okay? He casts these women and he just he all he does with them is try to make them these like sexy people. They mumble, they, <laughs> they have no character attributes to them, they're chilly, they're sultry for no reason, and they don't really lead our character anywhere, especially in, in this scenario. Hmm. That's an interesting point. You know, as we uh, cruise along here on Cinema 9 Pod, ProtonMail.com, hit us up, send us emails about the game. Do you love the game? Do you love David Fincher? Is this David Fincher's uh, worst? Is this his third best? We could rank them all very easily and break it down because his legacy is really starting to build up. Uh, hit us up on Instagram, DM us, tell us about David Fincher's legacy and what it means to your personal existence on this planet. As we slowly kind of look at this, kind of wrap up our does it hold up, What's left? What else have we missed, guys? I mean, I'm we're talking. Ten I'm still. Pissed. I know you're not done. I, I know you're pissed. Script and not think that people are going to have problems with it. I mean, for one thing, 
Now seven point eight, they don't have problems with it. Yeah, this movie is, might be wildly overrated, by the way. That's one thing. Like, how recent are these reviews? And have these people watched it recently? Because when I watched it, I just I was angry. I felt like I was being talked down to. I mean, you look <laughs> at his next film, Fight Club. You've got a protagonist in, you know, Jack the narrator who is relatable, who needs a change in his life, and he gets something out of the experience he gets when he meets Tyler Durden and Project Mayhem, which is kind of like this an offshoot of CRS. I mean, yeah. CRS is out to fuck people's lives up for, for no reason, whereas Project Mayhem <laughs> is out to do something else and better you. There's, you know, when you when you mentioned that, when you said last week that this was going to be the movie, I was really excited. I used to, I thought I really liked this movie. And, um, and you know, and if, if there was just like, I think it's purposelessness is what bothers me the most because sense, I mean, like it, I could kind of forgive all the convenient plot devices that build up over this, the course of this movie. Yeah. If it took us to a place that where I felt like it improved Van Orton's life and like exactly. showed us something, but like you learn by the end of the movie, he hasn't changed at all. He's still an entitled nope. guy. He, he, he rips off the fucking yellow pages. He rips down Rebhorn's picture. He yeah. takes Rebhorn hostage in front of his own children. Yeah. Um, like he, he's not, he's he, like, it's made him worse. So what is the point? You absolutely nailed it. You look at why, if, if you want to talk about a Christmas carol, they, I think they maybe try to set up Armin Mueller Stahl's bear character. The publisher is this Bob Cratchit type. I guess. Yeah. It, it, at the very end, he's literally about to tell him, look, you know, this is a really great gift, but you're still fired. The guy's like, yeah, I don't care. Anyway, I'm happy. It, it does nothing. He doesn't say, I want you to come back. What you do for children and book, children's book publishing is important. Come back. Will you come back? No, he's like, yeah, you're still fired. He what is Armin? Change. Sorry, but what is Armin Mueller-Stahl even doing in this movie? He's more purposeless than Alan Arkin and Gattaca. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, what, really, like, what the fuck is he doing there? Whole character is so fuck. It's such a dumb subplot. It's like trying yeah. to get you to be like thinking they're out to get his money and stuff. Van Orton would know that this is part of a game by then. He wouldn't go through all of these hoops and rigmarole being like, oh, you're trying to fuck me and set me up. Clearly, it's a fucking game. Let's right, get yeah. serious. And also, like, the belief, like, why would you even think that CRS is out for your money? Because, like, if you get down to it, only the rich could, only the mega rich could <laughs> play this game. So, oh, they yeah. must, so like, if the, for them to be doing what they were doing, they must have clearly had a ton of money in the first place. Which, you nailed it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah I guess it could have been case. robbing everybody, but like, it just seemed like yeah. this is a game that like is only for those, like the, the top 1%. Well, he there signed a lot of paperwork, though. Now, thank you. I'm, a glad, lot of paperwork. I'm glad you said that. So, this comes out tw in 2020. Will we immediately be like, oh, rich white 1% investment banker? Let's, let's, let's see this guy get his due justice. Like, would this be a totally different movie looking at it now? Hell yeah, would Wall Street and all that sort of stuff? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It'd be very it's, different. Uh, it's already been it's been uh, infiltrated in Hollywood over the last five to seven years. It's part of lexicon now. This movie would never fly, and people would want to see this guy get just. People want to see him die. They'd see like let's let's murder this. I don't. Guy. So. I don't know about that necessarily, but they would certainly want Deborah Kara Unger's character to like demonstrate how actually the lower classes are the ones who have shit figured out blah 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 there's uh, no there's no the brother we didn't get it which i agree with but <laughs> what's that oh yeah we, we haven't even said his name yet he's really fun and into <laughs> my 
and it's an exposition role delivered by an incredible actor, maybe the best of his generation. Yeah, but which apparently he is in the movie too. Apparently he's one of the best actors of his generation in the movie too, because the whole freak out that he has with his brother, that's all it's that's fake. The one in the street. Like yeah. that that's the that is the precipice of the interaction. Him yelling at him, did I have a choice? Did I have a choice? Conrad runs away. There's no resolution. Oh, I'm glad you're not dead. Well, maybe there's a lot of honesty to this film that people just don't want to look at. I don't want to look at maybe, you know, there are no resolutions and there are no, you know, this movie's not trying to maybe necessarily wrap it up and tie it up in a bow with like a, I don't know. Uh, I felt like it kind of was, one, though. <laughs> if, I mean, but it, it didn't, though. But it didn't. But it didn't, right. But there's it the just twist, left you feeling you know? sick to your stomach, in a sense. You're like, oh, how can I, how can I have empathy for all or any of you at this point after seeing what you went through you put someone through and then you're willing to let them go through all of this and sacrifice so much and now we're all happy and we're doing the red horn dance with the stupid hat on i mean maybe this is all (laughs) what we're supposed to be getting and and like you know we're just now getting it where eric and i are and this is how we were supposed to feel all along but like i I, it doesn't really feel that way because it feels more kind of like uh like this is supposed to be a grow a story of growth and 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 change but you no. just but like you just it's really unclear what that growth and change is and that it it's, would be for the better yeah. it, it, it's sardonic in the worst possible way we don't grow it's just it's mean-spirited and it's it's unfair to the Wait, I thought you said the other, i thought you said that it was warm and that his other stuff was mean-spirited it's <laughs> some of it is all of david fincher stuff is mean-spirited but some of this is warm and they were i was hoping they would go in that direction like when I when I saw it recently, there's there's hints there. There's something yeah. you could do with the Nicholas Van Orton. But character. it didn't happen. It didn't happen. He didn't learn anything from his father's suicide other than the fact that he would do the same thing. That's what kills me the most. What is your do you, favorite yeah. thing? Do you think, resigned uh, to his fate. I got a thought. Do you think that David Fincher has a the straight story in him somewhere? You know what I mean? Like Lynch's straight story, which is just like a completely outside of his career movie that's like got all this heart. And it's just a totally stylistic, different, stylistically different from like everything else Lynch has done. And it's just like, um, so the closest thing he's come is Benjamin Button, which is a yeah, to the point of nauseating. Film. Yeah, it's a pretty bad movie. I, I, in my, <laughs> in my opinion, I, I don't care for. Aww. I never cared for that movie. I never understood the allure come for that on, movie. Guys, it's not very nice. I mean, David Fincher is a human being. He has feelings. I I know, and, and I like most well, Zodiac. Movies. It's a Zodiac's very great film. It's a Zodiac's comforting great. film. I love Zodiac. It's a feel good movie. It's a feel good movie. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know that it's uh, mean spirited, but it certainly is not a feel good movie. How about like Gone Girl? That has like a feel good ending, you know, all kind of <laughs> comes together in the end. So, no, I don't know. Let's let's not do this. Uh, all right, so we're about time. It's about time. Let's wrap yeah. this sucker up. Uh, does it hold up? Bottom line, Travis Roy. Here we go. Boom. I, I think that what I'm going to say won't come as a surprise, based on where I've you know, based on what I've been saying. Um, I'll keep it brief. No, I, I don't think this holds up. I really expected it to. I really thought I was going to love this movie as much as I did 20 years ago or whatever it was last time I saw it. But uh, uh, this is this is a Fincher movie that if you haven't seen, you can go ahead and skip. Wow, uh, I would have to agree. Um, you know, it's powerhouse solid performance i love michael douglas a lot i probably shouldn't like him as much as i do but i am a huge fan of his work i always have been i think he uh, has a presence and i just like the way he's able to navigate me through films and keep my interest and whether it's falling down or gordon gecko or this film uh 
I like him. I do. And I admit it freely. And I know yeah. he's the nepotism. You know, his father is Kirk Douglas. I get all that. Yeah, but, but he's hey. a talented dude all on his own. Extremely. It seems like he is. I, I, I really believe that he is. I, I'm not easily suckered in to, uh, you know, these types of things without being uh, taken for a ride. So I feel like this is a solid, solid performance, but I don't really plan on watching this movie anytime soon. So I'm going to say it. It's been a while. I don't know if I've said it. A movie doesn't hold up recently, but this one doesn't hold up to me. I'm sorry, Eric. Uh, nothing personal, of course. Uh, I, I mean, you don't have to apologize to me. I think at the end of the day, we have a beautifully shot film by Harris oh, yeah. Davies, who also shot Milk and Zodiac. Rest in peace. Wonderful, beautiful cinematographer. It looks gorgeous. We have a few. We, we've got a fun setup. Act one is really fun, and I'd be happy to watch it again because the pace is great. The scenes just coast along and build on one another. Yeah. The mystery deepens. Fincher's control is what makes this uh, really interesting in that first act. His framing, his staging, it's never bombastic or silly. It's just fun. Um, there's a couple of really fucking good scenes. The scene where he's in at the truck stop and he is humbled is about the closest we get to anything, you know, good for Nicholas Van Orton when he can look out at people it with desperate look in his eyes. And That's good ask for help. <laughs> Why is that good? I'm That's not saying he under this is a man who can buy anything. Okay. I think that's good for his humility, in my opinion. He's asking for a ride for $17. I think that could help him in the long run. But 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 overall, I mean, I'll say it again. If anyone thinks that I have any issues, just recommend a good therapist because CRS is a fucking adrenaline overload, rampant grief, paranoia, and possibly even eventual suicide for me. So never give me this gift. Um, it's an intensely somber affair. Um, it, 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 it's not written very well. And I think Fincher knows it's not written very well, but he does have some visual flourishes. At the end of the day, I used to love it when I was small, but this is a film that just simply does not hold up. Uh, hey, there, there it is. is. Okay. He got well, there. All right. Hey, it certainly Sorry. was. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's I'm not, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I just was waiting for it. It was a uh, worthy episode, though. Good choice. Um, it definitely created a lot of interesting conversations. So definitely a, a movie that uh, is worth analysis. And I think it brings up a lot of interesting philosophical points. So check it out. Watch the me, game. Man. If for some reason you listen to this and you didn't watch the game, go watch <laughs> it now. Uh, maybe pause before you get to this point. But, you know. Out of all the films we've done so far, this one hurt the most. I, oh. It let me down. I liked it better than Dick Tracy. Dick <laughs> Tracy. I liked it better than Margaret Goes to the Wedding, too. Oh, <laughs> boy. I'm never going to live that one down. Anyway. Pressure's on, Mike. Oh, yeah. Well, my pick's coming up here in a few short moments. But uh, first, got to get into quarantine viewing picks. Uh, it's still going on. There's COVID-19 out there. And oh, yeah. uh, as summer winds down and the fall is upon us, best time of year, by the way, to be in Michigan in the Midwest. Sure. Uh, it's going to be a great fall. Maybe we'll get a nice fire. Have a throw on a hoodie and mm -hmm. uh, drink some warm apple cider and maybe pour some rum in it if you like that. I, I, you don't have good. to do that if you don't want to, but you can. Uh, uh, hit us up on Cinnamon Eyed Pod, ProtonMail.com. Let us know, um, hey, you got some movie ideas? Uh, we're going to be coming up on another listener's choice soon enough. So start thinking at least about movies that you'd like to see us break down and decide whether or not it holds up. Uh, I'm going to make my choice at the end of the episode. But first, let's get to Travis Roy. Travis, I know you've been busy and your movie watching has massively decreased. However, 
I know you got at least one or two gems for us. Yeah, you know, I, I, I have been busy, but of course I, I, I found the time. You know, I watched, like I said, Message from the King and Black Panther. Yeah. Um, I watched Bedtime Stories, and I said something last, not last week, but a few weeks ago about um, Adam Sandler movies, about how, you know, they make you feel good. I want to retract that. I want to walk that back a little bit. Bedtime mm-hmm. Stories is one of the worst fucking movies I've ever exposed to myself to. Uh-huh. Um, it was really, really bad. In fact, it was a pretty bad week kind of all around. Um, I'm like halfway through 500 Days of Summer, which is just so precocious. I oh. I don't want to finish it, but I don't really not finish movies. So um, uh, I watched Stripes. <laughs> thank God I watched Stripes or else I wouldn't have really watched any good movies other than the Bozeman, uh, Chad McBoseman movies. I gotta, so I'm going to say I got to find something, right? I gotta, So the one I'm going to recommend, it's streaming on a lot of different um, platforms right now. It's from 1989. It's a horror movie called Intruder. It was, this is an extremely low budget horror movie that is d- directed and uh, written by a good friend of the Raimi brothers who both appear in the movie, as does Bruce Campbell briefly. And um, it was written by a, you know, a Michigander who worked at a, a real grocery store called, I think, Walnut Creek or Walnut Lake um, grocery store. And Obviously, when he worked there, he just looked around at all the machinery and all of the tools and stuff and imagined all the many ways he could kill someone with it and wrote a movie around it. And it is a cheesy, gory, stupid, funny mess that uh, is worth if you're looking for like a good 80s kind of like dumb horror movie, like when you're drunk at the end of the night, uh, Intruder is, uh, is worth catching. Wow. OK, Intruder. Well, I'm going to check that out. In the meantime, Eric Branstrom, give me what you got. Uh, yeah, I watched Steel Magnolias and Flubber. Oh, what a great week it was. That's You've seen both, all right? I have to offer. Uh, You've seen both? No, I didn't see either. Oh. Um, so clearly it wasn't that good of a week for me. <laughs> um, I feel better about my week. Yeah. John Hughes wrote the screenplay for Flubber. Um, That's amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, that happened, and Steel of Magnolias, I mean, Julia Roberts dropped dead gorgeous. Tom Skerritt, you can't go wrong, but I mean, come on. Also dropped dead gorgeous. Dolly Parton, it's great. Oh, yeah. That's literally all I have to say. I'll try to do better next week, I promise. Yeah, it's fine. It's okay. Not all. They all can't be winners, as they say. We're busy people. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I watched, like I said, I watched Get On Up, which was, uh, yeah. I definitely recommend it. Um it's weird and it's um, ah. never going to be what you think it is. And you also do learn quite a bit. If you don't know a lot about James Brown, you can actually take away some lessons from this. Unlike certain biopics or, you know, you might be looking for more information in a documentary per se, but in this one, it's quite informative. You know, his childhood is a disaster zone. Uh, the kid had no direction and it doesn't excuse his behavior in adulthood necessarily, but you do understand it. And in the context of how we see development now, as we learn more and more about humans, I think um, it makes a lot of sense, unfortunately, why he was the person he was. I mean, the guy was recruiting hookers when he was like 10 years old. So um, it's a strange, strange situation for I him. I did a good job with his early, early life. That's one yeah. thing I thought was really good about it with uh, the Actually, girl from Walking Dead and uh, Viola Davis. Yeah, actually would be one of the parts that I would be least interested usually, but I actually was quite interested in that section of the film. So, and like I said, it does, it's not linear. So it's not like a section. It just kind of jumps in and goes. And I like that style. So I'm going to recommend that for sure. And 
Um, I also, what else did I watch? Uh, Taco Bell, the movie, I think. Um, still waiting for Taco Bell, the movie to come out uh, on DVD because Someday. I'm only going to, I want the DVD extras, but no, uh, I watched that and uh, that was pretty much it, I guess. I watched, like I said, 42. So I just did the Bozeman watches and of course I watched the game. So that was it. For Check my out the Five Bloods, one. man. Check out the Five Yeah, Bloods. I definitely need to watch it. I definitely need to watch it and I want to watch it and I want to be a part of things. Hey, yeah. Eric, why don't you tell the people what you think of Spike Lee's direction? Uh-oh. I, I love like, Spike uh, Lee. I think he, uh, <laughs> yeah, Five Bloods. Maybe, maybe it doesn't that. hold up, but uh, <laughs> well, like ten years. <laughs> oh, I also watched a. I forgot. I watched a Feeling Minnesota. You remember that movie? Oh yeah, yeah, that was a decent <laughs> movie. That's uh, Keanu's That's... birthday today too, or yesterday, by the way. Hey, all right, This goofy ass movie. It's got a stupid title. I like movies like that. It's a Soundgarden uh, reference. Feeling Minnesota. Feeling Minnesota. Looking oh, wow. Yeah, it's outshined. Outshined. Okay, cool. I I did. I wasn't thinking like that. Well done. All right, so that's it. That's our viewing picks. Uh, if you want to watch some of that trash, not our finest week, but hey, you know, <laughs> we all have lives. We got stuff going on. <laughs> and we do our week. We do our best. We try. We really do. Uh, I guess it's that time then. It's time for me to uh, <gasps> make a call. Right what, what did I choose last time? Almost famous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was good. That was cool with that. I could roll with that. Uh, that was much better than the Margot at the wedding. So I feel I redeemed myself. <laughs> yeah. Educated, uh, released from that pain. Um, again, we're, this is a tough one. You know, I came in with the, like three choices and it's uh-huh. tough to decide. Oh, so hard. And you sit here and people are listening <laughs> and they're wondering and they're like, hey, man, what do you, what's it going to be? Let's we'll get to it. And, uh, you know, you know, these are the moments, guys. These are the moments it comes down to. The um, moment could have come before we sat down to record the episode. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling you're going to this through. <laughs> I've really, it's so hard. I've thought about these so much and I can't make a decision. You know how hard it is? You know how hard it was just to choose Almost Famous? And I still was like, damn it, I chose Almost Famous. That's lame. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, Eric mentioned a movie recently and I really wanted to do it, but I'm not going to do it uh, to die for. I almost wanted to do to die for. Okay. But I'm not going to do to die for. What we are going to do is but <laughs> we're we're not going to do to die for. There's a lot of movies we can sit here and listen. We're not going to do. Oh, we, we, yeah, it's a, we I, I can, forty I year podcast going to town episode. on that. So, um, <laughs> like Green Tomatoes, I love it. Love that movie. Fuck it, let's do election. I want to do election. I love I Alexander it. Payne. So I knew it. I knew it. I knew it was going to happen eventually. Yeah, and, get it out uh, of the way, man. I, 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 you know, Sideways in was also great we'll, so either way we'll you can't there. go wrong and but i think election will be a little more interesting now that we're 20 years removed from it and uh there's been a lot of things that have changed yeah so the uh fee uh teacher student relationship so i think it'll bring a lot more um to discuss so, so let's do election that's alexander Payne's 1999 film matthew broderick reese witherspoon great choice uh, chris, chris glad Chris Klein, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. He's the doofus fucking football doofus. About a great guy. football doofus. He's a great football doofus. Oh, he plays a wonderful doofus. Oh, every- <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's it. Yeah, like so we'll it. do election next week, and then uh, 
that'll be that. So thank you very much for listening. Cinema9pod, protonmail.com. So that's right, Mattress Man. Uh, Cinema9pod on Instagram. Send us a DM. Uh, tell us what you would like to see us do. Yell at us. Laugh with us. Cry with us. Give us a Chadwick Bozeman tribute. We're happy to read it on the air. We, in fact, we would love that. If you want to send something in, uh, we know a lot of you out there are very eloquent, and you probably have a good thing or two to share with us about Chadwick Bozeman's passing. All right. So that's it. Uh, next week, we'll see you for election. <laughs>